That's fun right there, a little parade going out. I like it. I like it. I got one of those that follows me around most of the time. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Awesome. My mic is hot. I like it. What's up, Michelle? Oh, oh, you're good. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Well, I am excited to get to celebrate Easter with everybody. I got to take this off here. I don't normally do this and it's weirding me out. Hold on. Bear with me. All right, here we go. Uh, so this week, uh, for those of you who've been joining us every Sunday morning, we've been in a series called Love Like That. And so I prayed about, should we continue that series or should I do a, a one-off, as we call it, for this Sunday? And I really felt the Lord leading me to, to, to not do that series. We'll pick that up next week. Um, this Thursday night with our, our, our group of, of uh, young men and a few ladies that have shown up from time to time, um, I did a lesson pretty briefly on why Jesus matters. You know, here we are, we're celebrating Easter, but why is it that we celebrate this? And especially if you don't know Jesus, why is it even important that we know about who he is and what he's done for us? And so as I prayed through that Thursday and I was thinking about today, I felt like we ought to maybe go in that vein a little bit. If you were here with us over the last year, we know we went through the book of Hebrews. And that, that book is incredible because it's our redemptive story. The book of Hebrews is about all that God has done from Adam and Eve all the way till today f- so that we can know him, so that our relationship with him could be restored. And that's going to be our focus today is that Jesus makes us whole. That's what I want us to focus on today. It's significant. Whenever you think about the crucifixion, when we think about Jesus dying and raising from the dead, there's a couple of moments for me that have stood out this year. And I want to talk about those as we get going this morning because for me... Something specific happens, and it's so significant in the moment that I think it even overshadows the pain of crucifixion, which is good for us to focus on. We focus on a lot, but there's something that happens just before the cross and while Jesus is on the cross that needs our attention today. Look with me at Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 44. This is right after uh, Jesus has his last meal with with his disciples. It says, he went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When they reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, being in anguish, He prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. It's obvious that Jesus does not want to go through this experience. And certainly, the pain of what he's about to endure is a part of this grief that he is feeling in the moment. However, I think there's something even more significant happening there. If there's something that he says while he's on the cross that to me reveals more than just the physical pain that he's about to endure, that this, this thing that happens while he's on the cross is, I think, what he is fearing the most. Look with me at Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 34. It says, when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? We believe that Jesus is part of the Trinity, the triune God. And he's referred to as the Son of God. And we know through Scripture that he was with God in the beginning when all things were created. 
In the moments just prior to him breathing his last breath, when his friends and family had abandoned him, he experienced something that all of us are born into. All of us are born into a separation from God. And for the first time in all of history, Jesus experienced separation from God the Father. As he took on the sins of the world, he had to endure it alone. A great commentator, Matthew uh, Henry, says about this. He says, while he bore the sins of the world, God could not be with him. He was literally abandoned, not only by his disciples, but also by his Father. What caused Jesus so much anguish in the garden was the knowledge about what was going to happen while he was on the cross. Not the physical pain, but the separation from God. You may not have realized this before today, but we were born separated from God. And Jesus' purpose in coming to earth, the whole reason he came, was to rejoin us with God the Father. He came to make us whole. This is the focus of our message today. Jesus experienced what we all experience in order that he could overcome it for us. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus have made us the opportunity to be whole. To fully understand that statement, we have to look back at our redemptive history like I mentioned a while ago. I'd like for us to go on a little adventure today through Scripture. I want us to see that, that your story, that my story, and the stories of every man, woman, and child that have ever been born start in the same place. As children, we hear stories often that begin how? Once upon a time, right? Today, as we look at our story, it begins with in the beginning. Let's go back and see what caused all of us to be born separated from God. Because our separation began with sin. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 with me. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. By choosing to sin, to disobey God, Adam and Eve separated themselves and all of mankind from God. Our mistakes and our sins make us feel guilty. And our natural response is to avoid what makes us feel guilty, right? But rather than running from sin... We should run to God, but we don't. We don't run from sin. We run from God. That's what Adam and Eve experienced in the garden. 
They did what God told them not to do, and they felt shame, and they felt guilt. But rather than running from the sin, they ran and they hid from God. This is our story. That in the beginning, we separated ourselves from God. It says in in verse 8, it says that when they heard the Lord God walking in the garden, they hid from the Lord. Our sin causes us to hide from God, to run from Him, and to be separated from Him. But church, God's desire is not for us to be separate. God created us to know Him and to have a relationship with Him. But the sin in our lives puts a barrier between us, and that causes separation. Yesterday we had the opportunity to go and help Ben and Anna and David and Sarah move into their house. Anna came and and shared testimony of that earlier. In between loads, I stepped away for a moment just to kind of take in what God had done in their lives. Ben walked over and and basically said that he was kind of at a loss for words. He was in awe of what God had done in their lives. Now, they spent over a decade living with other family and not having a home of their own. But God finished the work that he told them that he would do. And they only got to experience the joy of God fulfilling his promise because they have a relationship with God and they have learned to listen to his voice and to do what he says. This is the kind of relationship that God wants all of us to have. That's what we were created for. God wants us to know him and there is inexpressible joy for us in knowing God. But unfortunately, all of us are born in sin, and therefore we are born separated from God. We don't get a choice in it. But as the kids' video this morning pointed out, there is good news. Jesus came to repair the broken relationship. Unlike you and I, there was no sin in Jesus. He lived the perfect life. He didn't have the same separation that you and I have. As he grew up from a tiny baby into a man and began his ministry, we see God's activity in his life in a way that we never saw it with any of the prophets or any other people in Scripture. And we know that he was not separated from God because he says things like he says in John chapter 5, verse 19, where Jesus says, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does those things. Jesus was connected to the Father. And he came to bridge the gap that exists between God and his people. You see, God has a plan to bring us back. Right after Adam and Eve sinned, God began to work and and do what was required to bring his people back to him, to make us whole once again. There are a couple of key moments that show God's work to restore brokenness. And one of those is the first covenant. God enacts this covenant, and a covenant is basically a promise. It's different than what we may think of as a promise. Typically, when we think of a promise, the promise goes something like this. I promise I will do this if you will also do this. Whereas a covenant says, I'm going to do this regardless of whether or not you hold up your end. So God makes a covenant with his people. After he's led Israel through the Red Sea, across the wilderness, he brings them to the foot of the mountain. And this happens, this is found in Exodus chapter 19. It says, Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, 
If you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. God shows his power in freeing the nation of Israel from the greatest military that existed in the world. They let them go. And then that army, you remember the story, chased them and God parted the Red Sea. The Israelites fled through the parted waters. The Egyptians followed and then what happens? God releases the waters and it drowns the whole army. All of this had just happened. And God says, you see who I am. I want you to be my people. Do what I say and I will take care of you. In other words, God is beginning to reunite himself with his people. God is communicating that he wants to bring us back to himself, that he is restoring what is broken. But in order for that to happen, God said that they needed to listen and to obey. And God held up his end of the covenant, but Israel didn't. They refused to listen. Israel turned down the relationship that God wanted and settled for a list of rules to be followed. They were still running from God. They wanted to be in charge. They wanted to be like God, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. They were choosing to stay separated. And church, many of us today are still running away from God. Just like we talked about a few moments ago, we still choose sin and we run from God. But thankfully, God was not done with Israel then and he's not done with us today. God later sends prophets to tell Israel that one day he would enact a new covenant. One of those prophets was this guy named Jeremiah. Jeremiah said this, he said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this new covenant I will make with the, gospel, with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from least to greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. God tells Israel, look, I know you didn't keep your side of the deal, but I'm not done yet. There is more that I can do for you. I'm going to do something greater than I did before. He's going to reveal himself to his, his people, and instead of the law being only in their minds, he's going to move it into their hearts. And God makes the promise that one day he will restore the broken relationship. He will make them whole. The burden will no longer be on the people. God says, I'll, I'll take that burden myself. I will make it happen. God's desire to know us is so great that he did the unthinkable. He came to earth, born as a helpless baby, so that he could experience life as we do. Jesus came, was born, and he lived here with us. We know this story. We read it at Christmas time. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quinarius was, was governor in Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, 
which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and the family and the line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no room available for them. God sent his son, Jesus, to reveal to the world who God really was and what it looks like to actually live in a relationship with God. He came to show us how much the Father loves us. Jesus came to do what we could not do. He did what Adam and Eve couldn't do. He obeyed God. He resisted Satan's temptation and chose to stay connected with the Father. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came out of the water, he saw the, the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were serving him. Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan and they chose to listen to him instead of God. Jesus faced the same temptation as Adam and Eve. And Satan tried to twist God's word to confuse him and to mislead them just like he did with Adam and Eve. But it didn't work. Jesus accomplished what we couldn't. He lived a life that was sinless. He obeyed God perfectly. And in doing so, Jesus reveals to the world the kind of relationship that God desires to have with all of his people. Church, we've, we've read these stories. Jesus loved people like no one else had ever loved people. He saw the people that everybody else overlooked. He loved those that seemed unlovable. He healed those that were sick and even raised some from the dead. He stood up for those that no one else would stand up for. Jesus came and loved us completely and took upon himself our curse of separation so that it could be dealt with once and for all. Jesus died and experienced separation so that we don't have to. This brings us back to where we started. We are separated from God by sin, but Jesus came to deal with sin for everyone. He was the perfect sacrifice and paid the price for the sin of all his people. Because of the sin in our lives, we're separated from God. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, we have the opportunity to be made whole. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, it says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right by God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. 
Church, Jesus makes us whole. Jesus has made a way for us to be made whole again. When we are separated from God, there's a part of us that never feels quite right. There's something missing. We may not always notice it, but there are moments in our lives when we feel alone, when we feel ashamed, forgotten, or just not quite right. When we feel these things, we can realize that it's because we were created to be in a relationship with God, and until we are reunited with Him, we're not whole. And that brokenness that we feel is a result of God missing in our lives. It isn't until we choose to put our faith in Jesus and enter into a relationship with Him that we can be made fully whole. This is why Jesus came. This is what we're celebrating at Easter. We're celebrating that God has done what He said He would do. He sent His Son. He came to live, to die, and to raise Himself from the grave so that we could really know God again. In a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity to do something that's really special that Jesus did with his disciples during his last meal with them. I'll explain all that in just a few moments, but before I do, I want everybody in this room to know that if you're feeling God tug at your heart, letting you know that something's not quite right in you, that you're not whole, there's something we can do about that today. I'm going to pray in just a moment, if you're here today and you want to trust Jesus, like it says in Romans, to believe in him, as we pray, you're going to have an opportunity to have that conversation with God and give yourself to him. It's very simple, and it works like this. Beginning your relationship with God goes this way. First, we recognize that we're sinners who are separated from God. Secondly, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came to forgive us. And third, we submit and commit our lives for trusting and following Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't require a lot from us. He came and gave his life so that we could know him. He came and did everything on our behalf. We separated ourselves from God when we chose to disobey him. And Jesus has come to us and said, I would like to fix this for you. But in order for that to happen, we have to choose to believe that he's the son of God and that he came to die to forgive us of our sins and to restore us back to the Father. So let's pray together, and we'll go through that. If you'd like to join me in praying, you certainly can. Let's pray. Jesus, I am so thankful that we get to gather together today to celebrate the beauty of what you have done for us. Jesus, I am personally so thankful that you fixed what was broken in my life, that you saw me in my separation, and you chose to come to me, that you chose to come to my brothers and sisters, and to join us, to reunite us back to the Father, to experience life as it was intended when it was perfect. Father, I, I pray for the people in this room who may not, may not have a relationship with you. Father, if there are any in this room, in this moment, that are feeling that tug, that feel like something's not quite right, Father, I ask that you would speak into their hearts right now. If that's you, if you're in this room, pray this with me. Say, Jesus... I believe that you are the Son of God. I recognize that I am a sinner in need of your saving. And Father, I give my life to you today. I submit and commit my life to follow you, to walk in obedience. Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this church and this opportunity to celebrate Easter together. 
Father, as we close out our service today, I ask that your spirit would continue to move in this room as we partake in the Lord's Supper. Father, I ask that it would not just be a thing that we do, but Lord, your spirit would work in us as we take these elements together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, grab myself or Miss Bethany on the way out. We'd like to visit with you and like to welcome you to the family of God. But most importantly, you know, we talked about Miss Leah mentioned a while ago that we share our stories in this church. In other churches, we might call that testimony, but that's a big churchy word, right? But one of the aspects of being a believer as someone who has been reunited with God is that we do life together. You're not meant to do it alone. And so if you gave your life to Christ today, come see me or see Miss Bethany and let's, let's talk and let's do this life together, okay? So Jesus, in his last meal with his, with his boys, with his disciples, they got together and they got to eat. Raise your hand if you like to eat. Anybody? All right, I like to eat too. As you can tell, I'm getting a little plump in the middle. At the end of the meal, Jesus did something that was a little bit weird. He took a a loaf of bread. I don't have a loaf today. We're going to use crackers because it's COVID friendly. But Jesus took a loaf of flatbread. Okay. Ever, anybody ever seen flatbread or pita? Raise your hand. Okay. Bread that hasn't risen. So they get done eating. Everybody's kind of full. They're lounged back. And Jesus takes this bread. And he says something kind of strange. He says, this is my body broken for you. And he tears the bread in half. And then he, he says something even weirder. He, he picks up the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant we talked about earlier. He said, this is my blood poured out for you and for many. He said, when you eat, take these two things, the bread and the cup, and I want you to eat and drink in remembrance of me. We've talked about this before. It's a little odd for somebody to say, I want you to take this bread and eat it and think of my flesh and drink this cup and think of it as my blood. That's a little odd, right? And I think it's supposed to be. Jesus is referring to something that happened a long, long time ago, back in Exodus, right before God delivered his people. If you've heard that story, God did a lot of miraculous things in order to convince Pharaoh to let them go. And the very last one, Pharaoh refused to let them go. And so God told the Israelites to sacrifice a lamb and to put its blood on the door above their homes. And that night when the spirit would come through, every born, firstborn male in the family, whether it was animal or human, would die unless that blood was there. And so Jesus, in making this new covenant with the people, is saying, I am the lamb that will be sacrificed. I am the blood that covers you for the forgiveness of your sins. And so we're going to do what Jesus has commanded us to do. Today, as we celebrate his life, his death, and the fact that he rose from the dead so that we could know God, we're going to partake in this very special meal. Michelle, would you come up and give me a hand? Here's what we'd like you to do. Start in the back and just come up the front. And we're going to give you a little cracker and a cup of juice and just hold those and go back and have, and have a seat. And after everybody's got there, we'll take them together, okay? So if you would, guys, on the back, y'all go ahead and come up. broken for you. Not yet, children. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ.